0: do you remember that? (laughs) Puma with you, everything's gas. Now, not that scene from The Lion King. Do you remember doing that? Because I know that I do. I remember laying on my back in the grass on a summer evening with a close friend and asking the deepest questions to each other that we could think of. Questions like, you know, what will I be when I grow up? Or am I ever going to fall in love? You know, the deepest questions that we can imagine. At one time, we were all pretty full of those questions, but At some point, we stop asking them. When we stop asking them, we say the reason we do so is is we're just growing up, but I think maybe there's another reason. I think the reason that we stop asking some of our deepest questions is because the answers turn out to disappoint us. They don't measure up to our childhood imaginations. They turn out pretty flat and hollow, and they don't turn out to be balls of gas burning billions of miles away. They're just fireflies that got stuck up in that big, bluish black thing. Now, the question like, what will you be when you grow up? When you were young, the possibilities to the, to the answer to that question were endless. It was only limited by your imagination, right? You could be whatever you wanted to be. You could be an astronaut or you could be a ship captain or, or you could be a baseball player that hits home runs, that crash off the lights and send fireworks on the field like in the natural. You could be whatever you wanted to be. And now, well, you do paperwork and taxes and you write emails and, and nobody dreams about writing emails you know, it's not that it's bad work, it's just not exactly what you dreamed of. It is not the answer you were looking for. It turned out to be something like fireflies that got stuck up there. And you wonder, is that all? Or the question of, will I ever fall in love? You know, many of you, many of you have fallen in love. You, you, you did fall in love, but 10 years later, 15 years later, you have 2.7 children running around the house, and you're constantly changing them, and then changing their clothes and then rechanging them and then rechanging their clothes and then you're bathing them and then rebathing them and you don't even see your spouse till your head hits the pillow at night and then by then you're tired so don't try anything funny you know we stopped asking our questions because the answers turned out disappointing i remember my question i was having a severe crisis of faith and What I wanted to know was not whether or not God existed. That that really wasn't my question. But when I looked out at the world and everything I saw going on in the world, what I wanted to know is what is God up to? What's God's purpose? You know, I had heard all the stories about God creating the world, sending his son to die on the world, raising his son from the tomb. But what I wanted to know was why. Why is God doing or has God done all of that? What's his, his purpose? There was this young guy at church, a young man, who sat with me, I remember, on Wednesday nights for a couple of months, and we sat there with Bibles open, just looking for an answer to that question. Really, honestly, no agenda, just trying to find an answer to that question. And those meetings came back to mind when I started to prepare for this sermon, because I don't remember everywhere we went, but I do remember distinctly arriving in Ephesians. And in Ephesians 1, we find out that this story, this this book, this letter, is all about God's purpose. I think Ephesians is this book for all those of us who have ever laid in our back in the grass, looked up to the heavens, and asked, why? Why, God? What are you doing? From the very first verse, this is Ephesians 1.1, we find out this letter is about God's purpose or God's will, depending on your translation. We know from the very beginning that he's going to explain it, Paul is, in Ephesians, and so we continue on. And a few verses later, he, he, he uh, reveals to us God's purpose, and it sounds incredible. It does not sound like fireflies stuck up in that big bluish black thing. It sounds amazing. Listen to this in verse 8. Yes, with all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the secret of his purpose, just as he wanted it to be and set it forward in him, Jesus, as a blueprint for when the time was ripe. His plan was to sum up the whole cosmos in the king in the christ yes everything in heaven and on earth in him see what i mean that sounds absolutely incredible god's purpose is to bring everything in heaven and on earth in the universe and beyond together into unity everything and everybody that's why he sent jesus and the language he uses is the language of a math problem don't don't let your eyes glaze over i'm tempted to do the same But what he's doing is this giant addition problem. He's summing everything up together. And ultimately, everything is going to be added to this equation. And everybody, and nothing's going to resist the equation. And the sum, the total, it will belong to Jesus. Jesus will belong to them, and God will be with them. There's nothing fireflies about that at all. It sounds pretty incredible. But a few verses later, he clarifies. He said that God is already doing this math problem, and that right now the sum, the total, equals the church. Listen to what he says in verse 23 of chapter 1. The church is his body, it is the fullness, think total, of the one who fills all and is in all. We need a little more clarity, and rightly so. So he gives us an example. He says, In the past, only God's people, the Jews, were part of this equation, and the equation was a subtraction equation. It was like whole universe minus everyone, X, Y, and Z, except the Jews, and that was the sum total. But now there's Jesus, and who has brought, Jesus has brought all of us non-Jews along with the rest of the universe into the equation by his death or by his blood, as he says in Ephesians. And so Paul restates God's purpose again in chapter two. Verse 15, he said, the whole purpose behind this giant math problem that includes Jesus' death and resurrection, the point of doing all of this was to create in him one new human being out of the two, so making peace. God was reconciling both of us to himself in a single body through the cross by killing the enmity in him. Now, wait a second. We know what he means by body. He's He's already told us the church is his body, the fullness, the total of the one who fills all and is in all. So the point of all of this math, God's purpose behind spinning the world into existence and sending his son to die on it was to create the church. Now we're getting suspicious. This sounds an awful lot like preacher talk. And when I first encountered this, I vowed to never be a preacher as long as I lived because I was so suspicious of preacher talk, okay? But fortunately, this is not the last thing he has to say about God's purpose in Ephesians. In Ephesians 3, verse 9, he brings it up again, and he makes it very clear. My job is to make clear to everyone just what the secret plan is, the purpose that's been hidden from the very beginning of the world, and God who created all things, and this is it, that God's wisdom and all of its rich variety was to be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places through the church. This was God's eternal purpose. and He's accomplished it in King Jesus, our Lord. Let's consider what he's just said. God's purpose is to add up everything in heaven and on earth into one body under Jesus, a body where everything and every body will be perfectly united. Okay, get this. A body where 1 plus 1 doesn't equal 2. He's creating one out of the two, remember? Okay? A body where 1 plus 1 does not equal 2. And that kind of math happens in only two other places. Okay? It happens in marriage where the two become one flesh. And it happens the only other place in the trinity of god which was the first sermon chris preached in this series the relationship that god has with his son and with the spirit the trinity is a special relationship and it's a relationship where a unity takes place that defies our math and in the trinity one plus one plus one does not equal three it equals one and what appears what it appears what ephesians appears to be saying Is that God wants that kind of special unity that he has experienced with the Father and the Spirit for all of eternity for his people in the church. We start imagining what that kind of perfectly united body looks like, and Paul says, stop trying so hard. It's the church that already exists. On earth, the universal goal of God is fulfilled and being fulfilled by the church. I'm going to say this simply. Creating A united church body of people united to each other and to God is God's purpose. It's what he's up to. But it's not only the end, it's also the means to the end, because Paul goes on to say that a united body will witness to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, to all places... Just by nature of its being united, and slowly, more and more of those will come into unity with God, and we ask the question of how, and we've already forgotten, and he says, through the church. It's both the means and the end. I was asking a big question. What's God up to? What's his purpose? And the answer I got is the church. And I remember being very disappointed by that answer. Why? Why? Because I knew churches, right? I had, I had grown up in churches, and the churches that I had grown up in were, were full of some great people doing some great things. But if you had asked me for one word to describe those churches, united, is about the last word I would have chosen, right? Body, no, probably wouldn't have chosen that word either. Holy, rarely. You know, human, now that's a word I might have chosen. Conflicted, often. Divided? Sometimes. Sinful? Yeah, even that sometimes. It was like expecting that God was doing something magnificent, something incredible, like laying in your back, looking up at the stars and believing they are balls of burning gas burning millions of miles away, and a friend saying, no, no, they're just fireflies that got stuck up there. It was so disappointing. I needed some kind of vision of unity with God that spanned all of creation and was not dependent on the very haphazard, unorganized, difficult, conflicted, and often divided and very human church that I knew. God's purpose is his body. Does he know what's going on down here in his body? I told the story of a friend before at graduate school who preached at a little church in West Texas like I did, and this church had a history of very violent divisions. They were down to about 12 in their little church, and the church was made up of two families Okay, that both had kids, and then there were some retirees and some grandparents there as well, And they hadn't been through a fight in a long time, so my friend decided he would plan a worship series that would just pat them on the back on an important topic, something they were doing well in. So he started a series on Christian unity. He he wrote a sermon on Christian unity for the week and prepared to drive out there Sunday. Little did he know that on Friday night, those two uh, moms of the two families had two daughters who had decided to live together at a community college. They had gotten crosswise about a boy they both wanted to date. So one of the moms came and moved her daughter out. The other mom called her and by the end of the conversation vowed to never be back in church with this mom ever again. Okay. <clears throat> so my friend shows up on Sunday morning smiling, you know, not expecting any of this. The numbers are a little bit down. One of the families is gone. Just before he preaches, the remaining dad stands up and says, Well, Jake, I want you to know the Smiths are never coming back. They're good for nothing, don't care about anybody but themselves. So this is the last Sunday for this little church. We decide we cut our losses and move on. So why don't you preach your little sermon, and then we'll close the doors. So Jake, you know, has just lost his job, watched the whole church crash and burn right in front of him, and worst of all, has only one sermon to preach, the one he's only written. So recognizing the irony, Jake begins his sermon I'm so glad to be here at a church full of people who love each other with the love of Christ. (laughs) Unity is a special thing, and and for the next six weeks, well, I guess just this week, we'll be talking about one of the most important things in all of Scripture, unity in the church. Afterwards, they gave him his check, locked the doors, and sent him on his way. And to this day, those doors are still locked. And Paul's telling me that this is God's purpose. To create a body like that, churches that can't stay together to save their lives, churches full of of selfish, intolerant, and ornery people, which is to say, churches full of people. It sounds a bit like fireflies to me. Unimpressive, to say the least, and often disappointing. So why did we stop asking our questions? Because the answers were disappointing. So long before we were asking our question, little children would lay in the grass outside of Jerusalem and ask a very different question. They would look up and ask, I wonder what it's going to be like when the Messiah, the Christ, finally comes. And one of the boys who was laying there said, oh, I don't wonder, I know. There's always one of those in the group. But he quoted a passage from Daniel that both the boys knew. He said, oh, when the Messiah comes, he's coming with the clouds of heaven. He'll be given authority and sovereign power, and all nations and all peoples of every language will worship him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And the first boy goes, wow, he's going to come riding on the clouds. That's incredible. Sounds pretty amazing. But he also read his Bible, and, and he had a question about this, a question based on Isaiah. He said, now, will you clarify for me, is he... Is he also going to be despised and rejected by mankind? Is he going to be pierced for our transgressions? Is is he going to be crushed for our iniquities? Is it him that's going to be led like a lamb to the slaughter, and his friend says, oh, no, 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 that's somebody else. He's going to come riding on the clouds. You wonder why Jesus was crucified? Many reasons, but a good one is that he was a big disappointment. ironic, isn't it? Isn't it ironic that God's greatest disappointment in all of history is now the source of our greatest joy? Our greatest joy. And maybe the church is not so different. You know, maybe it shouldn't surprise us that God's way of answering our deepest and most difficult question is going to look very human, sometimes very weak, and only occasionally will it look brilliant at all. The Church is just like Jesus. and both are classic God moves. And what I would hate is for us to miss this incredible God move because our head is stuck in the clouds. You see, inside this weak and sometimes broken vessel of the church, like us, God is doing this building project, it's something like the building project we've got going on outside. Like our project, this, this project involves a lot of math. God is adding together these different materials for this building. And some of the materials are materials we would prefer he not use, like the annoying person in your Sunday school class that just keeps answering every question. Or there's that person in your reach group who keeps struggling to pay rent and keeps asking for help. Or you've got that woman who cut you off at the children's clothing sale and took that onesie that you saw first. You were there first. I, I know you were. But he's adding these odd and difficult and strange materials together into this building, and they start to strain and pop under the stress of the weight that he's putting on it. And it may not be the way that we would have put this building together, but all of this addition starts to take the shape of a certain kind of structure, okay? a kind of structure that we haven't seen for a long time. You wonder what God's up to. Well, you look around you right now and know that this is it. Ephesians 2.21, in him, the whole building is fitted together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And you too are being built up together in him into a place like the temple where God will live by the Spirit. You mean God is living in the church, his temple? Yes. Is the project finished? No, you are being built up. It's it's not finished. But God has decided to reside in this place with shingles still missing, with two-by-fours that need to put up, and the question is whether you will reside in the same place that God is. And all I know is that if God is there, that's where I want to be. And that's not so disappointing after all. You see, despite our disappointments with the church as we have it, If we look closely, what we thought was just fireflies turns out to be pretty spectacular after all. Brothers and sisters who are united together in this world is a very rare thing. And it's even more rare to feel God's presence inside this world, but such is the case. It's not only God's purpose, but it is his promise that he will dwell with us inside of his temple, even if it's in process, even if it's an unfinished structure. It is both his purpose and his promise. So a few days ago, I, I saw a guy keep this promise. Uh, I meet with this group of guys on Tuesday mornings, and we study the Bible together. And we encourage each other to be better Christian men. And we've been doing this for about a year now. We meet on our brother's porch outside in the morning when it's still cool, and even in the summer. And we're slowly starting to experience the kind of unity that God talks about, in, in, or that Paul talks about in Ephesians. We give each other rides when our cars break down, we help each other move, furniture, we trust each other, we share with each other some of our secrets, some of the things we're struggling with, we hold each other accountable, some of them have cried, I won't tell you who unless you ask me afterwards. It may not be that in our group, okay, that one plus one equals one yet, okay. But I also think that in our group, one plus one does not equal two anymore either, maybe like 1.5 we are that unfinished structure that god is working on and slowly every week as we spend time together that number gets a little bit smaller we become a little more unified and we see that that is his purpose to be present with us in a special kind of unity and that if we allow him to do it to be present inside his holy temple inside his church then the math starts to work in our favor And the church begins to look pretty spectacular after all. But despite all the warm, fuzzy feelings I have about those guys in that group, the greatest confirmation that God keeps his promise and is fulfilling his purpose happened one morning. We were out there. And this car pulls up the driveway that we haven't seen. It's a long driveway. We see her coming. And it's a mom. And she she waves us to the car, so one of the guys goes over to, to see what she needs. She says, I've been driving by for weeks. And I don't know how to explain it, but I just saw this group on this porch every morning, and I thought, man, that's a group where God's present. She didn't know what we were doing there. So I just had this feeling that that was a group where God was present. I didn't know how to explain it, and I kept feeling this tug on my heart to come and bring this prayer request that I have to y'all to get some other people praying for this, but I've just been driving by and today I couldn't deny it anymore. And so I've got a friend who's going before a judge today and I just want you to pray with me for mercy for him. So we did, we prayed for that. And then she pulled away and as she pulled away, she said, I don't know how to explain it. I just felt like God was present. Well, I can explain it. That's what God's doing. That's his purpose. And I think that she just happened to overhear as God's wisdom and all of its rich variety was being made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places through the church. She just overheard it, and that's pretty spectacular after all. So, to the one who's capable of doing far more than we can ask or imagine, granted the power that is working in us, to him be glory in the church and in King Jesus to all generations to the ages and ages, amen.